race, gender, sex. What's your identity? Is religion or faith part of your identity? Can you bring it into the workplace? Can your boss take care of the legal issues? Do they have an inclusion strategy? Are they literate in what religion means to you? Maybe they should give this podcast a listen. This is a Religion at Work podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Religion at Work podcast. Uh, my name is Eric Servion, Deputy Director at the Tri-Faith Initiative. And for our next guest, we have a very, very talented, very, very thoughtful and considerate Jeremy Freaky, our Education Director here at Tri-Faith. Jeremy, say hello. Hi there. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. Um, we are here to talk about religion at work. Specifically, we're here to talk about ROI. If So I'm, I'm going to start with the what question, though I like starting with why, um, in a 30-second elevator pitch. So Warren Buffett walks into the elevator, you're next to him, it's just you and him, he's trading stocks or whatever Warren Buffett does, and you have to give him 30-second elevator pitch, go. What is ROI? So ROI uh, is the acronym for Religious Other Inclusion. This is a big project of Tri-Faith Initiatives. And it it basically is focused on diversity, equity, and inclusion, prioritizing to some extent religion, and especially in the workplace. So much of our work on this topic goes into legal issues, inclusion strategies, and religious literacy for professionals. Awesome, awesome. So now let's go with the why question. Before we get into the why of ROI, I want to explore the why of Jeremy. So Jeremy, give give us your, I think it's a great story. Why did you decide to get into this work? So, um, so when I, when I was an undergrad, um, I was very interested in human resources. So that is kind of in the background here for a lot of this. Um, uh, ROI has a lot to do with human resources, not only human resources, but Uh, Human resources holds a particular role. Um, But while I was in college, I I met a wide range of people of different religious backgrounds in particular. I met Baha'is, I met Muslims, I met Hindus, and it really opened my eyes. And I thought about, you know, what what does this mean for the workplace? Um, You know, we have me interested in human resources, as well as this growing idea of religious diversity in the university, in society, and I really wanted to figure out what to do with that. Um, I went on to do my honors uh, project on religious discrimination in the workplace, and I had to make decisions about uh, where I would go next. Um, I thought about law school and other things, but I ended up going toward the master's degree of religious studies. University of Iowa. Um, I graduated with a master's degree in religious studies, and a, a lot of my work has been um, intentionally general um, and really focused on how do we practically apply the things that we learn in the academic field of religious studies to the everyday lives of people. Very important connection to make. Right. Um, so this has been um, this is a difficult task in many ways. But it is so important. Uh, religion holds a, such an important part of so many people's lives. And 
this inspired me when I was able to join the Tri-Faith team to really uh, focus down on going back to that kind of original inspiration for being involved with religion. Um, so I am so glad that I've had the opportunity to move toward that here. And, and that's awesome. And one of our prior episodes with, with Wendy, our, you know, our, our executive director, she talked about the why of tri-faith itself, which, you know, a, part of, a big part of it is that argument for religion or faith as, as a core identity, right? Um, but let's dig in a little deeper to ROI specific. Why is ROI, religious other inclusion, why is that needed now? And why do you think that tri-faith's ROI program, shameless plug, is a step in the right direction? Yeah, so uh, there are a wide variety of things, and I'm sure we'll go into a few more um, throughout this episode. But uh, number one is that we'll, we'll go with the sort of low-hanging fruit, if you will. Um, there is a risk management component, mm-hmm. um, and, and this is true for, um, for almost every project that a corporation or business or any other kind of organization does. There's a component that if we don't do this, it will cost us. And, and this is definitely true for uh, religion in the workplace as well. There are thousands of complaints toward the EEOC, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, on religious discrimination. Often it is combined with things like racial discrimination or national origin. Um, and these add up to cost people a lot of money, whether it's settlements or, or something else, um, it's very common for these cases to be found in favor of the, the plaintiff or the person who, um, who is discriminated against. So that's number one. Um, and number two is we, we also do need to move beyond simple risk management. ROI gives us an opportunity to add another piece of bringing people's whole selves to the workplace and to society. Uh, we want to, to enact justice in every way we can and give the opportunity for people to be that full and authentic selves. I love that you're making a, you're, you're leading with an economic argument, which I think is a strong one, but also making sure to give us that, that social, that moral ethical argument. I think those combined would make a compelling, again, argument for ROI. So let me ask you a different kind of why question. So one of the pillars is the inclusion work that comes with ROI. And I think it's an important feature to explore. On the surface, it seems like a, like a simple question, but it is not. Why is religion such an important identity to so many people? So uh, religion one thing I often uh, talk about when we start talking about religion in the workplace is that uh, there are so many ways that religion interacts with our everyday lives, regardless of our religiosity. And one of the first and most important for the most people is simply meaning-making. That means that when people are engaging with their everyday lives, whether it's you know a beautiful experience, a difficult experience, you know, a, the loss of a loved one or maybe a lucky promotion, um, people often see these events through the lens of their, uh, their religious worldview. This is a key component. Um, also, people of various, uh, various backgrounds from other identities, uh, racial, 
national origin, if we are to, to truly be inclusive for the whole selves of people, for the whole selves of people who are marginalized in our communities, we need to recognize that religion is a key component of the identity of that person's whole self. Finally, the, uh, the third point I want to talk about really quickly is that when we're talking about inclusion, um, the religious activities that people do often are an important piece of their everyday life. You know, whether it's them celebrating their holidays or whether it's uh, having the opportunity to pray or feel comfortable wearing their religious clothing or um, have particular grooming standards. Um, all these things are very important for people's, you know, everyday lives. And it doesn't stop when we go into the door of our workplaces. So can you give us, Jeremy, an example or maybe a story or two on when the religious other was failed by their employer? Yeah, so um, so I would say one of the more uh, famous examples, and, and you know, we are in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, this example comes from Grand Island, I believe. Um, there was a meatpacking plant, and I'm not going to name them here, but you can look it up on Google if you'd like. <laughs> um, a meatpacking plant with a very diverse workforce. Um, there were folks that were Somalian Muslims. There were Latino Catholics. There were uh, white Protestants, you know, there, and there were many others beyond that, but those were probably the three largest groups. They had a, a pretty, a pretty decent thing going, um, but there clearly was some concerns about being able to be more inclusive with each other along the lines of religion. In particular, there was a, there's a growing uh, Somalian community there, uh, Somalian Muslims, and during Ramadan, uh, they wanted to try to be able to move some breaks um, so that they would be able to break the fast during Ramadan, which will, um, which is actually happening right now mm -hmm. as we're recording this. Mm -hmm. um, but they, they wanted to break the fast and um, move these around. But the organization wanted to uh, keep those lines going. There was enough people that would be off the line that they would actually have to shut the line down. Um, and the, um, the other employees would actually have to take a pay decrease based off of uh, their policies that they wouldn't be able to work during that time. So um, it, it took quite a bit of time. Uh, eventually they, they worked out a deal where, where that would be the case. Um, where they would reduce the hours of everybody during that time. And uh, that, that made one group happy uh, and made another group unhappy where um, many of the, the Catholics and Protestants walked off the job because they wanted the, um, the extra work. Now, this is not to say that there's a right or wrong in this situation. You know, there's an opportunity which I'm sure we'll talk about a little more. There's an opportunity here to, to create that inclusive workspace, to create policies that are um, intended to bring everyone together, to give space for all these different groups to be able to be their whole selves. Um, if people were thinking ahead and preparing for both these challenges and the opportunity for success. I think it's important to know, especially in this example, how that meatpacking plant company, uh, they're very reactionary 
to this situation where I think it just makes economic sense to be proactive in getting culturally competent, in understanding the, the legal issues, in understanding what inclusion means at the workplace. And, and there was a failure there and they kind of paid the price. Exactly. So let's switch topics a little bit and go into more something you mentioned as part of a key pillar to ROI, and those are the legal issues, right? So here in the United States, we all know protected classes like sex, gender, race, age, disability. Religion is actually included as one of those protected classes, though we don't really talk. It's still faux pas in the workplace. Um, you know, I have a, a, a sounding figure here. So uh, Pew Research 2019 noted 82% of Americans believe that Muslims in America face at least some religious discrimination. 64% of Americans believe that Jews face some discrimination um, and 50% for evangelical Christians, which is, I found very, very interesting. So on average, there are 3,000 workplace religious discrimination claims per year. And I'm sure so many more that go unreported. And a lot of these complaints, some of them turn into civil suits and such. So Here's my question. Why do employers shy away from providing training or creating policy or even just got simple guidance on handling religion in the workplace? So uh, maybe what I should do here is kind of start with a little bit of a, a history of uh, religion and law in the workplace. Yeah, please do. Um, so, so firstly, uh, the United States has, has always been a very religiously diverse uh, country, but very early on, it was uh, founded to have a separation of church and state. Um, now, this has some complicated um, changes or some complicated effects to the workplace. Um, people recognize that there's a, a difference in power of managers and of the the bosses of the organization and uh, between the uh, employees. So. There's, there's this kind of culture here in the United States where um, to keep things neutral, to, to keep uh, things equitable and equal for everybody, we must secularize it, as in we need to take the religion out. Um, now, we'll go into a little bit why this isn't the case. Um, and there is this push and pull throughout a lot of our country's history between, you know, are we, are we a religious country? Um, well, you know, many polls show that we have a, a highly religious country, especially for a majority white country. Mm -hmm. And other polls also say, you know, that we are a highly secularized country. And both can kind of be true at the same time. Now, when we move forward, we, we start to see more of these uh, arguments take place. And there is a, um, a very famous case called Transworld Airlines v. Harding. And uh, this, this case basically brought in uh, a Seventh-day Adventist person who wanted to be able to take Saturdays off. There was a complicated case. I'm not going to go into the details. But really, at the end of the day, the court decided that, um, that, that employees were able to have reasonable accommodations. Um, this means that religion is one of the very few areas of identity that is entitled legally to a reasonable accommodation for their practices. Um, now, this this uh, 
depends on a lot of other factors, but generally know that people who have these religious practices are able to request this accommodation and have a, um, a conversation to figure out what's best. And that's not really something this case, you know, Transatlantic v. Harding, it, 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 not something you learn in high school or even in college. I didn't hear about it until learning it from you. Uh, so, so we get this combination of historically America wants to be secularized in the in the workplace. At the same time, the federal government has stated, "Hey, no, yes, you can receive accommodation for your religion, um, but we still don't have a, a great dissemination of that information. We still don't really get." that you can get these kind of accommodations in the workplace. So give us an example. What's one legal mechanism an employer could take to help build in these accommodations or, or a process for them? Right. So, so firstly, let's just uh, make it simple in that the, there should always be an accommodation form. You know, uh, HR, uh, personnel, human capital, whatever, uh, your organization calls it, you know, there's a lot of forms involved, um, but this is a form that would be requested. We should definitely have some kind of opportunity where someone were, um, regardless of their background, can explain what they need, when they need it by, and give alternatives if their first choice doesn't work for the organization. This is a, um, a dynamic conversation. It doesn't end with the request and approval or denial. It, it should not. Um, the, the second step is, and this is true for any policy anyone puts into place, is remember to communicate it. It does not matter what's in your employee handbook if no one reads it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, make sure that everyone sees it at least once a year. Make sure it's uh, released when it's updated. Make sure every employee who is onboarded or takes a promotion or anything else uh, reads this. And often uh, this is even something that I would verbalize to employees alongside many other things, but you know, explicitly make sure that you know that they recognize they have a right to request accommodation from your organization. Um, and secondly, now this, this goes a little bit outside the legal realm per se, but there's a level of inclusion that needs to take place for these legal accommodations to work properly. You must have an organization that people feel comfortable expressing their religious selves, even if they are part of a marginalized group. And this can be very difficult. This is one of the most difficult things. When we, when we talk about inclusion and diversity, uh, you know, we often talk about race, gender, and other factors like that. Um, those are highly um, visual people, and, and that brings up their own issues that, that they have um, special considerations that need to be made uh, because they, they can't turn on and off their identity. But with religion, people can usually hide it. And this makes it so that there needs to be an almost even higher level of an inclusive culture to invite people to not only be themselves, but be themselves in the ways that they can theoretically hide if they need to. So 
this is a very important piece that, that takes a lot of work and a lot of consideration to build that inclusive of an organization. I feel like not every DEI or HR professional might have that kind of skill set in their, in their toolkit. It seems very specialized. So, so I, I do have a question for you. What are some of maybe the services or, 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 or help that TriFaith can, can provide to, to organizations to, you know, to this effect? Right. So, uh, number one, uh, we we can train on a wide variety of of topics. You know, uh, we mentioned legal issues, religious literacy for professionals, and inclusion strategy. But there's there's so much more to it than than just simply what I said there. One of the big things that we are often asked to talk about is how to have a year-round holiday strategy, um, because often we we prioritize winter holidays. You know. It, it, it doesn't really make for an inclusive environment um, for uh, religion. Number two, and I've mentioned this a little bit earlier, uh, we can help provide consulting and policy development. So every organization is different. Every, uh, every department can even be a little different. The policies and the specific details needed may be a little different based on the organization. You know, every, every organization has different customers, it has different employees, it has different uh, business processes or uh, certain expectations of the field. So it is always best to, to eventually move toward a place where you are receiving personalized consulting on this uh, particular issue. And then finally, let's work toward empowering employees to, to create affinity groups or employee resource groups where um, not only are we showing that there's, we are an inclusive organization that gives space for people to represent their identities, but we also are asking you to uh, use those identities to, to even benefit the organization in some way. You know, that people of diverse religious backgrounds can, can help to you know, review things for cultural competency. There's a wide variety of uh, things that we sell at many of these organizations. And it's important to see it through many lenses uh, to know, you know, how do we reach these customers or clients in a more inclusive way. And, and to that end, so let me switch to the, the third pillar of, of ROI, and that's religious literacy. And I think this is so important because I think the more literate you are in the religions out there, the more culturally competent you are, you're able to ask better questions or understand what kind of accommodations you need or you understand your audience, your clients, customers, et cetera, et cetera, your employees. Um, so what, explain to us, what is religious literacy? So, I mean, in a very literal sense, religious literacy is to know some of the basics of of religion. But, you know, at TriFaith Initiative and with the ROI project, I, I think it's really important to emphasize that the goal is much less about memorizing all the dates of the holidays or, or all the specific details of, you know, exactly what this prayer looks like or something like that. Um, the goal is to create really an inclusive mindset that includes religion, that you are, you know enough to be able to ask the important questions to be able to cultivate that inclusive culture. So, for example, 
Um, I don't have the date for next Ramadan memorized, um, or the dates. Um, but I do know that uh, the Islamic calendar is a lunar calendar. I know that it moves uh, about a week and a half every year. Um, and I know that this year it happened in um, April to May. So next year I should be looking around that time, but I do know that it's not always going to be in April to May. Um, it's going to move around the year. And to be inclusive, you know, it's, it's good to, to get set up for that, to, to know that those are the questions I need to ask. And by proxy, um, you know, should I be having a pizza party for my department, which has, you know, a few Muslim employees during that time? I would discourage that. I think it, um, it is better to hold off and, and provide it when everyone can appreciate it. And, and, and to that, during Ramadan, for those who don't know, there is a fasting period, uh, which is why you wouldn't want to have a pizza party uh, during that time. So let me ask you one more question, and I think this is very important. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm thinking about the, the, the CEOs or the HR reps or the DEI practitioners out there that might be listening and they think we're trying to bring religion into the workplace. It's not that. I want to bring peace of mind to them. ROI is not to promote faith or, or preference for a specific religion. It's not about bringing religion into the workplace. What, is, what are we trying to do with this? So um, I'm going to repeat something I say often. You know, we're, we're trying to make space for people to be able to be their authentic selves. Now, I know this can uh, be kind of a complicated idea, especially when religion is involved, but it's important to recognize that it is totally okay to even put limits on some of this. You know, the, the importance here is that this should be a space for people of all identities. I know my, uh, I have Jewish friends who often will see Judaism as their primary identity over their gender or race or sexuality. And um, if we don't have some space for that, uh, that Jewish identity of theirs, they are not going to be able to be their whole selves at work. If they're not able to be their whole selves at work, then they're not able to make the same relationships. Uh, they're not able to display the same level of teamwork because there's always this piece that they're holding back, right? Similar to how if, if I felt that I couldn't be my fullest Latino self in the workplace, I would not bring my best self to my boss. Right. Religion and, uh, and culture... As a, as a general idea, especially like national origin, um, sometimes ethnic or, or racial culture. These are definitely all kind of interrelated. Right, right. So ROI, we talked about the inclusion piece. We made an argument for why the, the legal issues need to be studied and understood. We also talked about religious literacy and cultural competency. And again, we, made, we, we reminded people we're not trying to bring religion into the workplace, but creating space to allow people to bring their identity into the workplace. Anything else that we haven't covered that you think would be important for us to discuss here tonight? I just want to reiterate that uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion 
are interweaved between identities that uh, that to some extent the diversity equity inclusion initiatives must involve multiple types of identities to um, to really move forward to create a more just organization and society to create a more inclusive one um, these we kind of need to work together across these lines and and I, I hope that today you you hear that that thread throughout a lot of what was talked about. Jeremy, thank you so much. Uh, very, very informative uh, conversation that we're having here. Thank you for coming on the Religion at Work podcast. Have a good day. Thank you.